0: Benvenuti a Business Talks di Idea, un podcast pensato per gli sviluppatori italiani di videogiochi. L'appuntamento di oggi è Video Games in Quebec. So, hello everyone. Thank you for taking part in this new business talk by idea first of all i would like to remind you that this business talk will be recorded and then it will be shared in a subsequent date so uh, if you have some question that you don't want to have recorded or stuff like that just don't talk about it i would want uh, to say hi to our excellent guest today uh, christopher and philippe uh, from the quebec game industry hello, Bonjour. hello as the other you know uh, usually we have a very 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 easy approach to these business talks so we start with some presentation then we have some questions and then we like that our uh, you know participants get time to 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 ask some questions too so i will start by introducing yourself so if you would like to start with uh, philip if you want to talk about, about a bit about you and what are you doing?
1: Sure. So it's a pleasure to be here with you today. It's Philippe Valentine from Montreal International. So I know quite a few people from your industry in Italy. So it's a pleasure to speak to you again for those whom I know already. Um, so I work for Montreal International, which is a nonprofit organization which is dedicated to assisting companies setting up and expanding operations in Greater Montreal region. Uh, as a nonprofit, uh, we provide free services to companies. But there's something unique about our organization. We are not a governmental agency. We really act as a private company, which is basically there to help you out as much as we can. In short, just see me as a free consultant. So my role is to assist companies from southern and eastern parts of Europe. Obviously, Italy is my main market. And I've been in touch with a lot of uh, gaming studios and and service providers from Italy. It's really a pleasure for me to be with you again today.
2: For my part, my name is Christopher Chansey. Um, I founded a video game company called Manavoid Entertainment in 2014, uh, where I occupy the role of CEO CEO and Creative Director, and uh, I'm also Vice-President of uh, uh, La Guilde du Jeu vidéo du Québec, or the Video Game Development Guild in Quebec, where I act as Vice-President. We're a cooperative of over 300 studios uh, that uh, have small studios, like of two people, and uh, some bigger studios, like Ubisoft, that has 4,000 people. So, uh, we federate pretty much all of the studios uh, in the Quebec region. Thank you so much for your presentation,
0: and I would start about the current situation in the industry. So you've been dealing with all the coronavirus stuff as pretty, pretty much the, the all, all over the world. So what was your approach with uh, the COVID-19 situation in Quebec?
2: Well, as a studio, we uh, were amongst the first to, to, uh, to confine. So basically, we told everyone that we would be doing remote work. When we started uh, seeing the situation uh, in areas like China and Italy starting to develop, we kind of pivoted quickly. So setting up remote work, we set up some services for our employees. We had to obviously get webcams and get some microphones for everyone so that communication could work well. And uh, we had some uh, human resource services that we put in so that our employees could have someone to talk to if that they they needed to. Um, And we also put in a remote medicine service so that if people needed to go see a doctor or talk to a doctor, they could do it through basically a video chat uh, and get uh, what they needed from there. Basically just trying to make our staff as comfortable as possible and trying to minimize as much as possible the impacts on our production. Manavoid is currently working on a game that's a three-year project and it's about a three million dollar budget so it's a big game. We have some important milestones to reach um, so we really didn't want to have too much disruption uh, in the timeline. Um, so that's with uh, speaking with my game developer hat. But uh, if I'm speaking with a guilds hat, say that we, uh, for all of our members, we put in a lot of uh, human resources services as well, so that all of the members in like, the 300 studios could talk to human resources to know how they, they would need to treat certain uh, situations. Because obviously mental health becomes an issue after long periods of confinement for people who don't have you know, uh, significant others at home, can't see their friends. Uh, It's definitely like a a not optimal situation. We bought masks in bulk with the guild. We made basically were the representatives with government. So the government would speak to the guild and then we would speak to our members so that everyone would have the most up-to-date information. We uh, basically explained all of the government measures to our uh, members as well. We made sense of all of the different uh, fiscal and financial Uh, measures that were being put in because there were so many of them that is very confusing some of them by our members could use others didn't apply to us so it was uh it was more difficult for smaller studios to get the right information and la guilde basically kind of uh, made it a, a point to to guide everyone through the the current situation we're not out of it in quebec yet so there were a lot of studios are starting to uh, uh, get back into the studios. A lot of uh, bigger studios have decided that until the end of the year, they would keep remote work as the primary mode of working. Um, so it's we're kind of uh, in a transition period right now where people are trying to slowly get back into the rhythm of things, but obviously doing it in the most safe way as possible.
1: It's a bit the same for us uh, at Montreal International. So I'll skip the part where we all work from home and you know we'll be doing that for quite a few weeks. Uh, But as an organization, we have dedicated a large part of our time over the past few weeks to reach out to all the subsidiaries in Montreal, so all the foreign subsidiaries here, including Video Game Studios, as uh, as Christopher said, you know, to explain all the incentives and all the uh, tax. Emergency uh, financing programs put into place by the, the two levels of government, so federal and provincial. Um, to make sure that they were okay, to make sure that they understood, you know, how to, um, to do the, uh, the uh, social distancing as much as possible, the best way they could. Uh, so that was really helpful for, for clients, you know, to make sure that they knew we were here uh, somehow to support them. Not only in terms of the crisis, but also once the crisis will be over with. Um, We'll be there to help these studios, you know, get back on their feet and to make sure that they they can regain traction as much as possible, as fast as possible. As an organization, we've also uh, organized uh, a lot of webinars with uh, both the government and private partners, just to make sure that all the programs were clearly explained, that everybody, you know, had access to... uh, the information from the source. So whether it is for HR management in times of, of COVID-19, for the, all the uh, financial programs put into place or uh, legal aspects of COVID and all that. So we were really wanted to put forward all our network of partners to make sure that all our, our clients could benefit from that network in those difficult times.
2: Another thing that I didn't mention, but I think a lot of people forget, it's, you know, as companies, we're trying to have a great company culture and obviously that often comes through being able to talk with people and being like relating with people physically because of the situation right now we've installed a lot of um like uh, activities uh, that you can do remotely in the studio so we have a uh, you know movie nights where we watch netflix together we we have uh, gaming nights where we play co-op games so we we have like uh we still have like uh cocktail nights where we just you know show up with a webcam and have a drink together and talk and we're trying to keep as much as possible the unity of uh of the company that we have because of the the family aspect of it and i'm sure it's a lot of the case for a lot of the studios here uh and you don't want to lose that because it's so easy right now to just you know work 14 hours a day in front of your computer and then just you know go watch tv and then go to bed and you know being this kind of a rut or a routine that's not like healthy uh talking with people is important being the relatedness of it is super important to keep
1: yeah we have something similar don't want to take too much time on that but we organize daily quizzes so all the staff once in a while we organize quizzes and I, i did for example two last week it's just a fun time, you know, so people get to know each other a bit more, even if we're not together. So maintaining the relationship is really important.
2: Onboarding new employees is super complicated right now as well because they, they can't see where you're working. You, they can't feel the, the positive vibes of a studio because it's all like just through chat and video, so um, that's been a challenge as well. Absolutely, aside from,
0: you know, the the impact on production and, you know, I was wondering uh, what do you think uh, about the industry more in general? So, you know, there is uh, this kind of, you know, wisdom that having everyone close at home uh, just increased uh, revenues for the video games part, um, but at the same time, uh, you know there will be probably be a huge hit on the financials of normal people uh, going forward. So probably it, it, you know spending in video games will be less going forward. So what do
2: you think about it? Well, for my part it's been a lot of my job with the guild to kind of educate the governments because a lot of the media we're talking about uh, record numbers on Steam and you know like, uh, All of the, the like, obviously there's a lot more people that are are at home. So a lot more people on Netflix, on Amazon Prime, on Steam and all of the entertainment, uh, you know, outlets that there are. But for all of the studios that didn't release a game lately or that were in pre-production or production of a game, um, you know, COVID means delays. It means, you know, lack of efficiency. It means... uh, you can't see uh, with all of the events that were canceled all over the world. It means that you can't really meet publishers or meet service partners or, you know, meet financiers. So for a lot of the smaller studios, the impact is huge. You know, so I've been talking a lot with the governments just to make sure that even though the media are pumping the fact that there's a there's more money like circulating in video games, which is true. Uh, you know, for to be honest, there there are uh, advantages right now for people who have recently released games. To not lose sight of the fact that, uh, you know, people who are developing them uh, are rather getting negative impacts through COVID. And as you mentioned, uh, the fact that in the future, we don't really know what the consumer uh, activities are going to look like. Um, for my part, I think uh, it, it's... It's still a positive, uh, the fact that a lot more people stayed at home and started playing video games. I mean, my mother started playing video games and she had never played really before. So, I mean, there's for sure a new market uh, that is kind of discovering games for the first time. Uh, You know, there was like all of this talk about... uh, the World Health Organization, uh, that, that said that video games uh, were, the, the dependencies of video games was a, a disease. And then they did a complete 180 and said, uh, no, play video games, play a part together. And <laughs> they started developing like these programs with video game studios so that people would stay at home. So I think there's a lot of positive aspects uh, to, to what happened for our industry. But then as you said, like it's very hard to, to predict what the consumer reaction is gonna be. That being said, just like anything, when uh, things get difficult in the real world, people tend, I think, to, to immerse themselves in other worlds. So through books, through movies, through television and through games. And I think games is a medium where immersion is always, you know, stronger than in other mediums. So I think it's not a practice that people are going to stop altogether, uh, but for sure there might be just less money circulating in our industry in the future.
1: I'm also a bit curious, and this is, you know, I'm not a specialist of the industry, obviously. I'm more of a general generalist, but I'm curious to see if there's going to be a trend for gamification, especially in, for the purposes of training, because a lot of company will have to train staff from, you know, remotely, and doing that can be a little bit uh, difficult without uh, something entertaining. So I wonder if there's not going to be a niche market for gamification over the next few months. That is going to be, that could develop rapidly.
2: That's a very good point, and I, I can tell you firsthand that there is no studios in Montreal that do gamification who have been uh, contacted by banks and pharmaceuticals and the big industries uh, that are looking to optimize their training programs. Yeah, uh, because obviously it's difficult to learn on the job right now. So learning through uh, uh, digital methods the best way and obviously learning through gamification the retention is that much better so it's definitely on the rise
1: and for a company going that way you know deciding to go to gamification let's say a bank or something like that
0: yeah absolutely another small question related to covid You know, a lot of uh, basically uh, all studios started working remotely. Uh, do you think it will have a lasting effect? So more studios will will keep working remotely, with more people working remotely going forward.
2: I think it depends on the, the, on the company. You know, for us at Manavoid, we put a lot of emphasis on the live play work, as kind of the way we put it. But uh, you know, we have the four day week. We have uh, you know insurance for all of our employees. Uh, we uh, we uh, We give uh, breakfast and lunch to all of employees that come over. So we're trying, you know, to really create a space where people can obviously work and play and live at the studio and just enjoy their time there. Because today it's so difficult to just stop working when you get home, you have your cell phone, you have your email, like things always keep going on. So for us, we don't pay people by the hour, we pay people by the year and we just want to make things as comfortable as possible for them, which has created a kind of dynamic where you know, I go there to work on weekends sometimes and people are there playing board games or playing video games and I'm like, go home, why are you still at work? <laughs> um, so for us, the vibe is very, very like oriented and I think people are, can't wait to to kind of get back to uh, that fraternization at work. But I know the, the case for other studios where... It's been so efficient for them working from home uh, because of the way they put their things together and the way that the people, like the, the company culture, just fits, the, just working from home, uh, and then it's just easier for them to not have to commute to work and to, you know. Uh, just be able to to get up, do their work and then stop working and th- that division in their mind is really easy to do. Uh, so I think it just depends on the company. There will for sure be companies that I think will continue doing remote work or at least offer it to employees that uh, were efficient during remote work. Uh, but then like it depends for us, we're, we're all looking back to just, you know, Getting back to the studio and doing our thing.
1: I think the same reality is is applicable to uh, tool developers. So, for example, Unity or uh, Epic Games, you know, have large presences in, in Montreal, and I'm quite sure the same pattern will apply. You know, they will probably maintain more uh, of uh, remote work than previous than before the crisis. So uh, that's a trend that we've uh, started to see amongst some of our clients.
2: Even the bigger studios in Montreal, like uh, you know, Google, Ubisoft, EA. Uh, most of them are not looking to get back to work until the end of the year. Yeah, yeah, i heard the same. A lot of people are still working
0: from until the end of the year, so yeah. Because
2: hmm. it's hard to predict, it's so volatile right now. Is there going to be a second wave? Uh, you know, there's so many different uh, aspects to it that are just unknown, uh, that, you know, it's just safer to, I think, stay at home in the short term. Yeah, absolutely. And last question on the covid
0: stuff and then we we move over okay more interesting stuff um what do you think about the the events right now so do you think that you know there are lots and lots and lots of digital events and no physical events basically uh, do you think they're a good substitute and do you think that also there will be a lasting impact so moving forward we we you know maybe next year we still have the usual physical events or a lot more stuff will
2: just stay digital. It's a really good question you know it's it's hard to say I think you know um, there's a there's a trend that I'm seeing as a developer that I don't like where it's events that are just existing to continue an event but that don't create real value for, Either developers, publishers, or you know, service partners. So, you know, like a, a lot of events are are doing you know the the Second Life thing where you know you have to create a digital booth and then people are like walking around in this digital world. And uh, I think it's you know it's cute, but I don't think it's actually creating any value for for developers. And I also think that there's a, a sort of digital fatigue that's setting in. I don't know about uh, everyone here, but uh, I'm in front of my computer every day all day I I don't have any more physical meetings like it's all I do is in front of a screen so if there's conferences for like two days straight I'm not going to be able to listen to more than one of them uh, just because uh, my attention is just too easy to to divert towards my emails or other things that I have going on on my desktop so uh, I think Currently, the events are trying new things and trying to figure out what they should be in a digital world. But I think right now, some of them kind of uh, are going down a path where they just want to keep the event alive, uh, but are not really uh, thinking about what we really need. And what we really need, as uh, like for the independent developers in any case, is access to funding and access to eyeballs for our games. You know, so. It's all like those are the two main things. So, connecting with publishers and connecting with people who can finance a project and venture capitalists and uh, connecting with media uh, to be able to, to market games because uh, I was supposed to be a Gamescom this year showcasing my game and we were going to announce our publisher and all of that and we, we obviously can't do that now so like everything is up in the air so any event that can really create that kind of value I think will be uh, a much better event to go to um, uh, in terms of value for the developers, and like because uh, through La Guild we organize uh, two events: we the Montreal Expo Gaming Arcade and the Montreal International Game Summit. So the Mega and the MIGS. We're really thinking about that right now. To w- what can create the most value for the companies locally? Uh, so we've talked with a bunch of publishers and a bunch of developers, and we're just you know right now still thinking about it, but uh, Megamix this year will be a digital event.
1: And if I can, well, basically I will corroborate what Christopher just said, you know, th- this digital fatigue is in every single aspect of uh, economic development right now. A lot of people put themselves into either virtual format of, the, of their event without necessarily added value that Christopher mentioned, or going through a lot of webinars, which at the end are so repetitive and, you know, It's very difficult to differentiate yourself right now from the pack. Everybody is doing the same thing. I think a lot of people are challenged with one main aspect is to maintain relevance when it comes to public events, although virtual. Um, So I think that's a challenge that many many organizations will face over the next few months. is to maintain their relevance uh, uh, towards both their clients, but also their public. Yeah. I think a lot of events right now are basically in a standby mode, so they decided to maintain you know, a virtual version of their events just to keep the name out there, but I think the real challenge is going to be next year. If ever we could not gather together more than 50 people, for example.
2: There are positives uh, to it though. Um, I think one of the positives is for the first time in a long time, if you're an indie or you're a A. You're in the same arena right now so you know people are trying to figure out new ways to market their products uh and you can't just throw money at it because there's no events <laughs> so uh, so everyone needs to innovate and i think innovation always breeds like the best parts of the future and like i think like innovation is crucial to uh to making sure that we like uh, reinvent ourselves going forward so i think that's positive that, that we're all on the the same stage and also that you know some of the more established events uh, are being kind of replaced by new newer events that are kind of innovating on their own as well. And because bigger structures are harder to move than smaller structures, you're seeing in it like things like uh, The Mix, uh, that's uh, doing a partnership with a Kind of Funny Games, which is a huge content creator. Uh, they're doing a thing called Guerrilla Collective, and they're basically taking over the space that E3 used to have, but on a much smaller scale. So that's interesting to see these... Uh, these smaller events getting a lot of uh, like uh, attraction uh, just because they're attaching uh, influencers and content creators to it instead of it being just the traditional big big uh, events that uh, that are going you know so so we'll see in the future uh, which ones kind of survive uh, but it's not necessarily a bad thing to have new blood uh, you know like doing new things and new events showcasing new ways uh, to showcase games Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: And since you talk about Mega and Mix, can you share some more information about it? Since we attended it last year as a small collective, Italian collective, I I was not there,
2: sadly, but... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have to come, uh, like, digitally this year, but physically next year for sure. (laughs) so, like I mentioned, you know, La Guild is a cooperative of developers. So, bigger, big, bigger, bigger developers and smaller developers. So, we are trying to create as much value as possible through the event. And then, particularly for everyone here, I think the MIGS event is interesting. Uh, for us, we're talking a lot with partnerships uh, with different publishers and different, you know, international events. Uh, there'll be a lot of announcements, obviously coming coming soon. Nothing. Uh, some of them are being discussed and not signed, so I can't say anything really. But uh, what I want to say is, uh, when in our discussion with publishers they told us exactly what they would like to be able to get into contact with all of the studios that would be attending MIGS, uh, be they local or international. And so we're developing a pipeline of communication between publishers and uh, studios that is going to be very easy and creating the most values possible for the least amount of time on screen. <laughs> so we'll be able to, to showcase that. There will be a recruitment event. So for... Uh, any uh, international uh, people that uh, international employees that would like to come work in Montreal. Obviously, we're still uh, growing as an industry in Montreal uh, and in Quebec in general. So uh, there will be a, a recruitment event as well. There we will have a showcase event. Uh, we're talking with the Mix right now. Nothing has been signed, also, but you know they were very interested and they were at Mix last year. Uh, so we might do an event uh, to showcase games on our side. And for the whole mega part, which was more the B2C part uh, of the event, uh, we will be doing some showcasing studios and developing, you know, instead of having one event in November, we will be having several events throughout the year where we will be talking with media and talking with uh, the general public to educate them on video games, uh, how it works behind the scenes uh, and stuff like that, because we still are an industry that is oftentimes uh, looked at as juvenile, just because in the minds of all of the older people, video games used to be only played by young people, (laughs) but uh, obviously the average gamer age today is 39 years old. It's an industry that has grown significantly since uh, the past 20 years, so we're just educating, you know, everyone on to, uh, as to what our industry is becoming, uh, because particularly in Quebec, it's a huge industry, a lot of big studios, it's over 15,000 employees, um, and we're generating, I think, um, almost a billion dollars a year in, uh, uh, for for the, the province, uh, out of three billion dollars in Canada, so it's a huge industry uh, locally. Yeah. And people don't know enough about it yet.
0: So, okay.
1: If I just may add if there's any uh, international part to the mix, I'm just assure that Montreal International will, will collaborate with IDEA to to set up, let's say, a uh, a virtual delegation or any package we can provide to uh, to, to the Italian delegation. You know, we will work hand in hand with you to make sure that you benefit the most from whatever comes out of the mix this year uh, as a virtual uh, on the virtual format.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we're definitely looking at the international part of it uh, a lot. We obviously want to continue the partnerships that we had started last year. Last year was an amazing event um, and we just want to create the most value as possible for all of the members right now. So expect uh, calls from La Guild very soon to, to ask what would have the most value for uh, your organization because it's definitely something that we will be considering.
0: Yeah, thank you. That's fantastic. I, I was supposed to attend last year, but I, I had to pull out the last minute for you know we were working quite a big game so it was very hectic moment for for my company but I have very 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 good thing about the event so I would definitely be interested in attending this year with a a collective so thank you (laughs) so okay can you tell us a little bit more about the video games industry in Quebec especially you know what's your your secret what's your formula because uh, for us in Italy we are a very, very small industry compared to yours and you've been active a lot more years than us. So it would be very interesting
2: to hear your experience. Well, I think, you know, I can kind of give you a brief history of our our industry and it it kind of culminates to where we're at today. So the most important thing that happened for our industry happened about 25 years ago and it was uh, basically the the, uh, inauguration of a tax credit for multimedia companies in Quebec. So basically every time I spend uh, $1 in salary, I get 37 cents back. So 37% of all salaries paid for production and video games is paid back to the company at the end of the year. So when that was installed, huge companies like Ubisoft and EA and Square Enix started looking at uh, Quebec as a potential place where they could have uh, big production teams come in, uh, create games, obviously the tax credit was the incentive, and uh, basically ship their games still through their traditional channels so having big studios come in like that obviously created demand uh, in uh, jobs and because the demand in jobs grew then the schools started developing programs specifically for video games so in design and programming and art Uh, All of these things started uh, developing quickly because all of the bigger companies kept hiring and hiring and hiring more people. And so the big studios uh, formed uh, what they call the Digital Alliance in Montreal, and this is about 20 years ago. And so the Digital Alliance was really just a lobby to make sure that the, the multimedia tax credit would stay in Quebec as the industry kept growing. Uh, and so in there you had Ubisoft and you had EA and you had Square Enix and Idos, and these huge companies that, that were basically just making sure that the fiscal advantages in Quebec would stay there, which was definitely a help. And they also created the MIGs uh, about 15 years ago, which was the international part where we would have uh, publishers and different uh, delegations coming to Quebec and that we could exchange uh, and obviously use services internationally and offer services internationally as well. When Steam uh, came out and digital distribution became a thing, well, uh, it became so easy to suddenly have distribution. You didn't need to pay millions of dollars to be in Walmart anymore. You You could obviously just go through Steam and upload one version of your game and then millions of people could download it. Well, what happened is everyone that was trained at the bigger studios and that had an entrepreneurial spirit decided to spin off their own smaller companies. And that's where the indie scene really kind of grew. So this is in about 2013, 2014, which is about when I started my studio. A bunch of little studios came out The issue uh, that we were living in Montreal at the time was all of the bigger studios were, were getting this tax credit but only for production. So they would make the game in Quebec but they would be marketing the game in New York or in France or in the UK or in the US. Uh, anywhere other than Montreal. We were basically a factory for making games. So when the, all of the little studios came out, they were really, really good at making games, but they were really shit at selling them. So that was the the biggest issue that uh, people were living. They were, they were they sucked in marketing and they sucked in business. So that's where we kind of needed to to educate ourselves. Uh, and also the smaller studios had no representation because the Digital Alliance was mostly the bigger studios and all they cared about was the multimedia tax credit. Well, you know, having government grants or access to loans or, you know startup money for smaller studios wasn't something that really existed at the time so what we decided to do is create uh, an organization much like yourselves a cooperative that we called uh, the video the independent video game development Quebec guild So it was the guild and the guild was uh, initially 47 studios that banded together. And the whole idea behind it was just to offer services uh, with bulk pricing. So we would negotiate services for legal or for accounting. Like if we needed to buy computers, we would try and buy them all together so that we would get bulk pricing and just kind of have that you know, that advantage. It would give us obviously representation because the governments would suddenly only have to talk to one organization to talk to all of the smaller studios. And most of all, what happened is we started to network and we created a hive mind of uh, 47 studios because obviously being three people in an indie studio, there's only so much you can know. But being, you know, 3,000 people in 47 studios, then there's a lot more, you know, access to information. And there was definitely that incentive to help each other to kind of rise up and get better uh, collectively. Uh, So that network and that hive mind, that collaborative aspect to the organization is really what suddenly changed the game for us. So in 2015, when we inaugurated the guild, there was uh, about 170 studios uh, in Quebec. Uh, today we're over 300 studios in Quebec so we've almost doubled in the last five years and a lot of that is just because that hive mind has kept growing and growing and growing we've all been getting better and better our companies have been doing more uh are being have been doing better having more success and uh, because of this obviously like a lot of smaller studios now like have the courage to to step out and do their uh their own studios and trying to you know, either even just getting out of schools, stu- some studios are forming right now instead of, you know, people working at Ubisoft and then starting their studios because the ecosystem can allow that. It's strong enough now to be able to do that. And then very, very lately, this happened in December of this uh, of last year, the Digital Alliance, which was the bigger studios and La Guilde were coexisting all the time. And we were obviously mutually beneficial to each other. So the, the bigger studios would really talk like more, take care of the, asp- uh, of the financial aspects of Quebec. And we were really just developing smaller studios and creating, you know, knowledge Bases for that uh, so that everyone could grow together. Um, We decided to they fuse both organizations together. Uh, So today, uh, instead of just being independents that are represented through La Guilde, we have all of the studios in the cooperative. And for like one of the first times really in the world, we have at the table discussions between studios that have three people in them and studios that have 4,000 people in them. So we're really, you know, we're educating the AAAs uh, as to how the smaller studios work. And the smaller studios are learning from the AAAs, how the bigger studios work. And that's allowing a lot more growth. And I I foresee in the future that also this will be a a big factor in making our ecosystem stronger and making everyone better.
1: Just to add on that, because I think Christopher explained basically everything. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I really want to put some emphasis on the collaborative environment in Quebec. We are well known, and not only in the gaming industry, to uh, collaborate a lot amongst companies, the private sector, industrial associations such as uh, la Guild uh, and as well the governments so you know this collaborative environment is is truly a catalyst for many companies to go way faster in terms of development i wanted to add as well one thing about the talent pool because you probably wonder how come you know th- this talent pool can grow so fast well obviously you know montreal has has already a, a large talent pool but that is explained by the fact that we have a lot of schools provide diplomas or certifications in uh, animation, in game development, and all that. This is from the technical level up to the PhD. So uh, we have a university institution called the NAD Center, which uh, is affiliated to one university in Quebec. They're based here in Montreal in downtown, so they provide classes from bachelor's, master's and PhD uh, degrees. We have a lot of colleges as well providing technical uh, courses, whether for a six-month course up to a a full three-year course and all that. So, you know, there's a lot of options for people to uh, gain education, to be able to work afterwards in the gaming industry. So there are hundreds of uh, graduates a year actually coming out from those schools now. So that is always added to the talent pool on a yearly basis. The second aspect is the fact that it's quite easy to recruit uh, game developers from abroad and to attract them to to Canada, to Montreal more specifically. Immigration processes are really short and sweet, if I may say, for those industries in comparison to most other countries. We are able to basically attract a lot of talent from abroad, and if I'm not mistaken, in the gaming industry between 30 and 40 percent of employees are not Canadians, they are actually immigrants or... uh, People on work permits working in Canada in Montreal. So uh, I would say that schools and immigrations are the two main drivers for the our uh, talent pool, which is ever expanding. 15,000 people now, more or less. As well, I wanted to touch base a little bit on the future because you know Montreal is also at the forefront of many other technologies in uh, related to gaming whether we think of virtual reality or uh, uh, artificial intelligence, you know. These technologies or these uh, 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 you know, these tools are not necessarily mature yet to be offered on a large scale, but Montreal is truly at the forefront of those innovation waves at the moment. So, you know, there's a lot that will come out of Montreal uh, for the future of gaming. As I said, in virtual reality and AI, but also in fintechs and, you know, tools which, uh, uh, developers will use eventually.
2: I think, you know, people often think that, you know, once you have a company, you need to compete with everyone, whereas what we decided to do in Quebec is collaborate with everyone. It's, you know, we're not selling a physical product and competing on the same street with other people selling the same kind of product. There's so many different genres, niches, types, art styles in games that their offer that we're, we're doing, it's an it's an exportation product. so there's no incentive in not helping each other. There's a lot that the entire world is buying our games. Uh, So it's not like we're competing against each other uh, and there's so much more to gain. It's just, you know, sharing knowledge, uh, sharing resources, uh, sharing best practices and making sure that everyone gets better collectively.
0: Yeah, I think we have a lot to learn about it. (laughs) Because, uh, you know, usually in Italy we used to say that we, we collaborate we don't collaborate too much with with the other teams and that that's actually true so you you see very little collaboration in italy and it's something that definitely is you know Hindering our ch- chances for the for the video games industry in Italy. Just to give you a, a little 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 overview, we just got a, a grant from the government to, to develop prototypes, and it, it's been a huge win for us. It's a four million grant for for studios, but we we don't have a tax credit in Italy because uh, we proposed it years ago, and, but you know the, the government uh, approved it, but then everything was was blocked. Uh, So, actually, we don't have a tax credit right now. Um, Do you have any other incentives that's that's not the tax credit? So, like, you know, grants or stuff like that in Quebec?
2: Yes, there's uh, one of the bigger grants that uh, exists is something called the Canada Media Fund. And the Canada Media Fund is basically like any investment fund. They give you money in order to have participation in your project. The Canada Media Fund funds projects up to $1.5 million. Um, and then there's different envelopes that you can get. So one of the, there's there's like three main envelopes that you can get with the Canada Media Fund. One of them is to develop a prototype. So that's a $250,000 grant that is given to people who want to do video 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 games that innovate. So innovation is really what they're pushing with the the prototype envelope or the Canada Media Fund. And then once you get the prototype, you can develop your prototype and then some people will find a publisher and they'll buy back the $250,000 from the the Canada Media Fund and then they'll only deal with a publisher going forward. Or what you can also do is go into production with the Canada Media Fund and then they can give you an additional $1.25 million in order to develop your project. So there's, I think over $140 million given yearly uh, through the Canada Media Fund for video games, uh, television, and you know, all of the cultural entertainment aspects. Video games in itself, I think is 40 million yearly that is given. And then the third envelope that you can get with the Canada Media Fund is what they call commercial projects. So that's where you don't need necessarily need to innovate. You just need to showcase that the com- the project that you want to do is commercially uh, interesting and viable. And then obviously they give you up to $1.5 million again to have participation in the project. So for the Canada Media Fund, they fund themselves. Once the project comes out, you give them a cut, obviously of uh, sales, but they're super easy to work with. They're always willing to work with publishers and it's, uh, it's an incredible help to be able to to grow a studio quicker for people that know how to, to obtain the fund. And to obtain the fund, you essentially need a good business plan. To have a business plan, you obviously need to have a business mind. And so it, it kind of uh, it encourages studios to look at the business and marketing aspects of the video game before they start working on projects. Because obviously we're all uh, we're all in it for the art form. you know, it's we we often come to video games because we're an artist or we're a designer. We're a programmer, and we have an idea, and we think that idea is worth exploring. But the truth is, at the end of the day, you still need to survive as a company to be able to develop that idea to its fullest. So you can't negate the uh, the commercial aspects of video game, which you know sometimes people have trouble kind of uh, accepting that it's a business because they want to really stay true to the art form. But then it's you're you're basically shooting yourself in the foot because you're going to have a tougher time getting the resources you need to be able to create your full vision so it's really trying to find like the the fine line between all of the worlds to to get there so the canada media fund is a huge help but there's also help for general startups uh, in quebec so some help is uh, they give you a minimum salary for a year so that you can develop your company. You know, there's uh, different types of loans that you can get that you can only pay back after two or three years and the interest rates are very low. So it, there's a lot of incentives to encourage, encourage entrepreneurship, which is not just specifically for video games, but just entrepreneurship in general. So it, that, those are like the different, I think, measures that also exist.
1: There's some ways as well
2: to get the tax
1: credits financed. Yeah. So let's say you have a a very specific business plan and you know, or, uh, your projections are solid. You can get some financing for the tax credit. And also there's some grants which could be eligible, which could be available for training specific purposes. So training is the, the most, uh, most prominent example. Good news about all that is that when it comes, you know, to having this business plan for the Canada media funds or Invest Quebec for the tax credit uh, on multimedia titles production, as an organization, Montreal International, we're there to help you write that down. So, you know, as discussed with christopher not every artist is necessarily good at you know packaging a business plan we're really there to help you out with that so so do you speak you know the vocabulary of the canada canada media fund and invest quebec To make sure that you just don't forget anything on your business plan and that the information you provide is actually one that is required you know uh, we're really there to work with you on that
2: yeah montreal international is a great organization i suggest that you guys get in contact with them even if you're in montreal for the migs you know just touching base with philip and his team will really kind of give you an overview of what they can offer and then either try and find the same type of uh, services in your country or obviously try and work with Montreal International to have partnerships between Quebec and Italy. I encourage strongly to kind of explore those things. We definitely do at Manavoid, and with La Guilde, we're always closely uh, working with uh, Montreal International to make sure that we're all growing and that, you know, we can recruit internationally and that other studios know that they can come to Quebec and that we can offer help and vice versa, you know, that, that we can also offer help to other countries. I work
1: with Ishe in Montreal. Uh, I know you're in touch with them in Italy. Obviously, there are a few representatives from the uh, Quebec delegation in Rome and the Canadian embassy in Rome and Indian consulate in Milan on the line. So we work really closely all together, you know, to make sure that you're as successful as possible when it comes to developing your business in Canada. L- let's say, for example, during the mix, uh, we can set up, you know, virtual meetings. I usually travel to Italy twice a year. Unfortunately, this year it's, it's going to happen was supposed to be in Milan on the 5th, on March 15th, you can understand that I did cancel my trip. Um, so, uh, you know, hopefully I'll be able to travel to Italy uh, at some time in 2021, but uh, in the meantime, you know, we can have virtual meetings at your convenience.
0: Yeah, that's great to know. Uh, have you seen a lot of companies relocating to Canada or opening a Canadian branch to, you know, uh, have access to the grant? Do you think it's,
2: it's a great incentive for you know a uh, company to have a presence there? Well, just for tax credit reasons, I think yes. If I can give you an example, just this year, Epic opened a studio. NetEase from China opened a studio. Google Stadia decided that Montreal would be their headquarters. Don't Nod, uh, the creators of Life is Strange just announced that they're opening a studio. A lot of people are, are looking at Montreal and Quebec in general as a, as a great place to, to develop So, yes, there's a lot more growth Uh, in the entire world. uh, There's nowhere else that has as many international studios uh, for video game development than Quebec. And we also, in Quebec, have the most developers per capita uh, than anywhere else in the world.
1: Do you know what we've seen over the past few years on top of all those studios coming over to, to Montreal? there are these trends which don't lie you know very often companies won't necessarily relocate to montreal they will just you know open a satellite office or an extension of their uh, current office order to tap into the talent pool and the creative uh, environment in montreal because this is something we've not really discussed too much in details but montreal is a really creative place unesco city of design we have the most artists per per capita in north america in the Milan district also you know, so there's a lot going on when it comes to creativity and, and arts in general. So very often studios, of course, rem- re- remain, in the HQ remain in the uh, same place, but they will open a spin-off office to tap into this talent pool in the tax credit, either to work uh, on specific components of a larger project or to start a spin-off project. Um, what we've seen over the past few years, because uh, Obviously, you know that all the main players are already in Montreal, and the ones that are not, I'm not going to mention Nintendo, but it's probably the largest one, which is not here, and the only one, uh, because of their business model. But all the other ones, all the other big ones are already in Montreal. The trend that we're seeing right now is mid-sized studios from Europe, Asia, which have a local notoriety, a local... uh, uh, Um, publicity they will open their first international or one of their first international offices in Montreal. We've seen that as well when it comes to service providers. Um, For example Altagram which is a Germany-based localization company decided to open their first international office in Montreal. Why? Because uh, there's so many studios smaller scale studios that they wanted to work with. Um, so you know, these are the trends that we're seeing. So we've been assisting smaller-scale studios over the past few years, and we've helped the uh, local subsidiaries uh, of larger studios expand their operations.
2: Just to, because I know time is running quickly, but uh,
1: yeah, <laughs> I, I
2: just wanted to also add uh, because we talked about you know the government aspect of it earlier. I think uh, one thing to understand is that what we do. Uh, and what you know as like video games in general are an incredible product to export anywhere across the world it's so easy to have digital distribution nowadays um and all of the money that you're bringing into the country is new money coming from other countries so it's not like Local economies, where you know you buy something from your baker, and you're basically circulating money that already exists inside the territory. You're bringing new money from other territories into your territory. So when you're talking with the government, this is the greatest aspect of it. For economically, this is what our government in Quebec understands. The other thing that's really important to understand is for the government side of things is. they realize that, you know, video games is uh, a young man's developing, uh, uh, you know, uh, industry. So uh, they have uh, younger families coming to our territory. Like uh, Philip mentioned, uh, 30 to 40% of people don't come from Canada, but they're coming to Canada and then they're developing these games and they start loving the place where they work and then develop a family here and then they pay taxes here and then their kids are going to pay taxes here. So it's very uh, elegant uh, for the governments to uh subsidize and help our industry grow because it's one of the more paying industries uh that exist right now uh in Quebec and in Canada. Yeah, it, it's something that we we should definitely work towards
0: in Italy too. Uh, since we have only a few minutes left, uh, there is an interesting question from Elisa Farinetti from Arts Games. That's uh, Italian-based video game studios, and she's asking: You said that the, the guild has a wide range of different size development studios. Have you seen partnerships grow up between those studios, and did
2: you do something specific to help create those partnerships? Through networking events, because we're always having beers together and having drinks together and talking, obviously some studios' cultures work well together. I've seen examples of co-productions that are starting to to arise. Personally, I work with two or three different studios on co-productions with some projects. So yes, the quick answer is yes. Uh, The bigger studios are also looking to sometimes invest in smaller studios' projects. This is new uh, since the fusion with the Digital Alliance and the Independent Guild. So there's also that aspect to it. and There's even workshops and kind of like a big brother program that's uh, that we're developing right now, where people from Ubisoft and uh, Behaviour and you know Square Enix would be able to come kind of give mentorships to medium or smaller studios to kind of help them grow their companies and their mindset and their knowledge base. So. In terms of co-productions, yes. Between the uh, mid studios, it's been seen a lot. Between mid and small studios, it's been seen a lot. Uh, between the bigger studios and the smaller studios, there are uh, some bigger studios that use smaller studios as service partners to develop certain features for a game. Or to develop artwork for a game or stuff like that—that that has been seen. But right now, we're we're seeing uh, more and more of that. Uh, and since it's it's been very recent uh, that the guild has merged with uh, the Digital Alliance for the new guild, I'm I'm pretty encouraged. I, we will be seeing a lot more of this going forward.
1: I think the kind of uh, of, of topics you know that could benefit from such collaborative uh, environment is you know facing the challenges for the workforce. Having more and more employees is crucial for the gaming industry. So how can the the larger and smaller studios team up together to tell the schools exactly what they need, for example? So these are the kind of initiatives that will come out of a stronger association, which is uh, uh, something that we lacked before, which took place over the the past 10, 15 years and which is now really strong in the gaming industry in Quebec. To the game.
2: Another thing that uh, has started lately is uh, publishers have been uh, also coming to Montreal more than once a year, and even having remote offices here. Um, so, Devolver has a representative in Montreal. You know, Microsoft has a representative in Montreal. Uh, there's a lot more. You know, examples of that uh, that that are starting to be seen. People who are who want to invest in games are looking more towards Montreal uh, and Quebec in general to to see uh, the, the kinds of products that are coming out because there's a lot of quality products coming out of uh, Quebec right now. Okay,
0: we have another question, Samuele Perseo from
2: Reply, another
0: Italian developer. Uh, do you think it is healthier for a young developer to gain some expertise in a larger studio? Or given that there are good opportunities in Quebec, do you think it's just as good as well to start something completely new?
2: I think it depends on how comfortable you are with, you know, developing a game from start to finish straight out of university. Manavoid, for me, I started right out of university. I had gone through a game design program at a master's level, you know, and I, I knew how to program a little bit. We, I, I found an artist uh, and I found a, uh, you know, another programmer, and basically we, we. We bootstrapped and we we started uh, our own thing with the incentives that we had we were able to to create our first game which you know sold about forty thousand copies so it wasn't a huge success but allowed us to you know keep keep going for another few years and uh today we're we're making the biggest game that we've ever made just because we've been able to survive through the years and, and create something but yes it can be done it depends on you know how how much of an entrepreneur you feel and uh, how how easily you you believe that you can uh, create a game uh, with a small team. If you don't feel comfortable creating a game with a small team uh, or being able to, you know, create it uh, with two or three people on your own, I suggest that you go get that confidence uh, by working at another studio.
1: Keep in mind as well that you know some of the incentives for startups are for Canadian companies for for Canadian people. However, there's some programs for uh, international entrepreneurs. So uh, there's a visa which a visa category which has been developed over the past few years in Canada, it's the entrepreneur visa. So let's say you want to create your game, you want to to do something completely new in Canada, there's some alternatives for that. So you create your business plan, you find a few partners, team up with, then you can find a local accelerator or incubator. There's some which are dedicated to gaming or which have a focus on gaming in Montreal. You can team up with them and you know get the entrepreneur visa to come over in Montreal and start your new business. So this is an alternative, uh, w- which as well could be uh, available to you.
2: Uh, on top of uh, the game developing community that exists uh, in Quebec, there's also a, a huge Italian community that also exists in Quebec. So you know finding a partner uh, locally to to maybe partner up with uh, for an endeavor could also ex- like be an option. Uh, I'm just throwing that out there.
1: We have about 300 Italian speakers in Montreal. Aspera is quite big.
2: Yeah, big community. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Okay, uh, there is another question from Samuele. And if I may ask another question, okay, how is failure of a project or a whole company seen by the government and the people managing
2: the funds? For the Canada Media Fund, about 2% of projects reimburse what the Canada Media Fund puts in, and they don't care really because. Like I mentioned earlier, for them, you're developing expertise, you're giving people jobs, uh, People, those people are going to pay taxes, and in the end, they'll make that money back in another way. Because it's the federal government that is uh, that's giving that envelope. That money always comes in one way or another, government will get that money back. So uh, for them, it's not uh, an issue to, to fail. And I think you know anyone who knows entrepreneurship a little bit understand that failure is part of it. Every failure is another scar on your body that you need to remember and never do again. So uh, people that have all of those battle scars are usually better entrepreneurs in my opinion. But you know, I wouldn't trust i wouldn't trust someone who hasn't failed before, personally.
1: <laughs> I, I agree with Christopher and you know, keep in mind that this year is, we are in North America. So North America is much more, you know, risky when it comes to business development and that obviously applies to gaming as well here. Uh, and to how the government supports industries, you know, where the government is not looking at the end result to provide money. It will look at how you want to get there and how the government can help you potentially be successful in the end. You know, the, the key word here is potentially. So if the government feels that you have a good project, even if you fail at the end, it doesn't matter. You tried, you know, and that's, what, that's, what the, that's the main aspect of uh, how the government support companies is, is to try to develop something new.
0: Yeah, that's, that's very interesting. It's, it's uh, in Italy there is a bit of a different approach and mentality about that. So yeah, it's definitely something that, that's quite, quite different on, on a perception level, actually.
2: i just like to say um, also that, you know, I've been uh, to Italy uh, once in my life. And uh, I think uh, you guys have an interesting advantage uh, that, you know, art has been deep rooted in your country for uh, millennia, you know, (laughs) like for for hundreds and hundreds of years. So and you can really feel it when you're there through the architecture, obviously, through all of the museums and paintings and history. So this is definitely something that I think is deep rooted in Italian culture. And that's an advantage that uh, we don't have as much in Quebec. So the artistic side is definitely something that you guys have going for you. And I, I think also the fact that you guys also have a huge local publisher uh, through 505 Games is also an advantage uh, because if there's any way to get partnerships uh, with them, I think you know that's something that was lacking for a long time in Quebec that we're starting to see like in the past like two years uh, more of. Uh, but you guys already have that, so there's definitely something to be done there as well uh, to to kind of develop the local industry.
1: You have idea, which is a. Uh... Honestly, your, your, your gateway to, to, to uncommon voice for speaking for your industry, you know, take advantage of that. It's like you did an amazing job in Quebec, along with the Alliance Numérique and now the two one organization that we have, but take advantage of the fact that you already have that infrastructure into place right there at home in Italy, you know, they will be precious for you to keep developing your industry.
2: And help each other out. Don't be afraid to collaborate. That's the most important thing. Yeah, share knowledge. Make sure that you know if you you have someone interested in your project that you you know show other people that contract. <laughs> you make people who have gone through contracts before. They'll tell you what not to do.
1: <laughs> Keep your intellectual property at home, but you know share your concerns and the issues you face when it comes to hiring, to dealing with the governments, these kind of things. Pull all these these concerns together and and then you know try to solve these keep your IP at home obviously you know
0: yeah so this is you know very important advice for the industry so thank you (laughs) okay so if there are no more questions I think we can close it here so thank you so much for your time uh, Christopher and Philippe it's it's been you know super super useful for us to have this chat and Personally, hope to visit Quebec as soon as possible. So, hopefully next year.
2: And thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, and if ever you guys uh, need anything or in Quebec, make sure to poke me, and uh, we'll try and go grab a beer and talk more about uh, our local industry. Um, so, and uh, you can also add me on LinkedIn. If ever you have other follow up questions that you think about after this, uh, it'll be my pleasure to 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 kind of answer that uh, going forward.
1: For me, don't hesitate to add me on LinkedIn. And uh, whenever I travel to Italy, I'll try to be able to reach out to you, and we can meet in person. But don't hesitate to, to call us. You know, we can set up a phone call if you want uh, over the next few weeks, if you want to discuss specific projects that you may have. If you have personal questions about uh, the Montreal ecosystem, you know, we can answer those questions uh, a video phone, a video call, for example, over the next few weeks.